0: Hey, everybody, when you hear that music, you know it's time for yet another exciting pre-World Series episode of On the Letter Side of Baseball. And it's not getting too light now because we start the seven-game World Series finally after a four-day lull in the action, which nobody liked, I'm sure, except for the TV crews who could get the field ready and the broadcast production done. Doesn't seem to be uh, smart, but that's the way it is. Uh, I look back in 1959, game six of the World Series where the Los Angeles Dodgers beat my Chicago White Sox to end the World Series. The game ended on October 8th, 20 days earlier than where we are today, the 28th of October, getting ready for the Philadelphia game to start tonight at 7 o'clock on Fox with no Joe Buck. That in and of itself makes it much more pleasant to watch, although I'm not sure how exciting the... uh, new Joe is, or Smolty, but Smoltzy's smart and good. So the other day we had Bobby Denier, former Philadelphia Philly, who talked a little bit about Bryce Harper and the World Series, talked a little bit about Nolan Ryan, talked a little bit about uh, his predictions. We had Craig Cashon, uh a day before talking about the predictions. He took the uh, Astros in six, I took the Phillies in five. We'll see if either one of us are correct so far. We missed out. He picked the Dodgers to go to the World Series. I picked the Cardinals. (laughs) How could a Cub fan do that? And uh, we both picked the Astros, which was a no-brainer, although it could have been an upset. In a little while, we're going to have John Wathan join us. His son is the third-base coach of the uh, Philadelphia Phillies, so that's going to be exciting and interesting and uh, we'll get John's take. He went to the playoff games. We'll find out what he experienced and whether or not he uh, ate any good food at the ballpark. So we're going to pause on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple for a few minutes, and then we're going to uh, get Duke, as he's known, to his friends. Duke was our manager in Omaha for a year or two, probably a year When he ended up uh, being called up to the major leagues to manage the Kansas City Royals. So anyway, I think everybody knows and is familiar with John's background, but we'll talk to him a little bit about it in a few minutes when we get him on the phone. So that, or on the Zoom, I guess it's not on the phone, it's on the internet, Uh, whatever it is, it is. So hold on, don't go anywhere. Anyway, we're back on the letters side of baseball without John Wathan, and uh, we'll have John joining us here soon. Uh, The way this production works is we send our communications team through Honolulu. And then they take it from there and they connect with John. And then John, uh, after he finishes his breakfast or maybe his shipping clinic or whatever he's going to finish, then uh, gets back to us. So anyway, we're going to wait for John. And while we're waiting for John, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, upcoming game. It's going to be NOLA versus Verlander. I think it's obviously the key game. Verlander uh, has been rocked in the playoffs and i don't see any reason why this lineup starting with schwarber and harper and real muto and uh, the other guys that have been really really good uh nick castellanos this is a good hitting team i think verlander is going to have a little problem if, of course you got a couple lefties in there and um it's going to be uh, pretty interesting anyway um we are waiting and we can uh, uh, expect John to be joining us pretty soon. He's coordinating with me. It's kind of an interesting, uh, you know, it's an interesting time because uh, I'm my own producer today. So John is uh, communicating with me on text. He wants to join us early, God bless him. So let me put you on hold so you can hear somebody besides me talk about baseball, just a second. And I think within a couple minutes we'll have Duke Wathan, join us. Hey, everybody. We're back on the lighter side of baseball. And again, as promised, our production staff has finally figured out how to get John on the show. This is the second or third time this year, and he's been on a lot. He's a friend of the show. I won't go over his credentials, although he did coach. In the major leagues he played 10 years, he holds a record for stealing bases as a catcher. All these great things all uh, kind of take a backseat to when he managed the Omaha Royals, that was a favorite time of our family, and got to know John pretty well at that point. Anyway, Duke has retired and he's joined us on the show because he has nothing to do until his tea time. Duke, John, <laughs> uh, how are you doing, buddy?
1: Good, Jamie. Thanks for having me. I almost feel like I'm a co-host the many times you had me on. That it must be hard to forget for sometimes. <laughs> well,
0: you retired in September. Tell us a little bit about and leading up to your concluding with the uh, trip you and Nancy just took to Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, they, uh, we're making a lot of changes with the Royals. Uh, they're, they're cutting back, they're a lot, letting a lot of people go. So I figured I'd better retire before they fired me the fourth time. <laughs> I got fired as a player manager broadcaster and came back to work in player development scouting in 1999. And I figured I had been thinking about the last few years working part time. And I thought it just felt like the right time with Dayton getting let go and, and uh, changing changes that have been going on with the Royals and um, just seemed like the right time. So I decided this, this was it. And uh, I've been awful busy since I, I'm kind of getting tired in my retirement. I've I've been to a golf trip for three days down Wichita area. Then I went to Notre Dame, which was on my bucket list for a weekend football game and tailgating and all that. Then I went to see my son who's third base coach for the Phillies in the playoffs against San Diego, heading back again with Nancy on Monday for the three games in Philadelphia for the world series. So yeah, it's been a, a busy retirement so far.
0: Well, they, they, I don't think would have ever fired you again. I mean, that would have been a record number of times, although it's a badge of (laughs) honor. You know, as Billy Martin and every other manager said, you get hired to get fired. And uh, what a great career uh, you had for the Kansas City Royals organization, which was pretty much in the, uh, I'd have to say still the uh, early stages of the franchise development, even though the, uh, the, the franchise probably started in the early 70s you were part of a lot of playoff teams and world series teams that's pretty cool i want to get to the first world series you were a part of in a few minutes because i think it was against philadelphia phillies
1: yes it was yeah it was it was a great time to be a royal and to to play for kansas city Um, fortunately i was able to play 10 years there and seven of the 10 years were in the playoffs and the people around town thought we were going to do that forever. And then of course it didn't happen again to get in the playoffs for 29 years after that 1985, win against the Cardinals. So uh, you you can't take anything for granted. It is a tough business and really tough to win every year and especially in a small market team. So we were very fortunate. You know, the thing about back then in 76 to 85 was we didn't change teams a lot. Free, Free agency was just starting and, It really was good for me as a part-time utility guy who played, you know, regularly a few years, part-time a few years. They didn't want to make a lot of changes when you're winning. So it probably helped me to play 10 years by us winning all the time and not wanting to do a lot of things different.
0: Yeah. You know, that gets, that opens up a lot of interesting uh, points. The, uh, the small market team versus the big market team. That seems to really be disappearing a little bit due to the tv contracts that everybody's getting and now the gambling potential and all that other stuff but also the fact that back then uh as as really now chemistry is so important it just is uh more obvious back in the 70s and 80s when you get rid of a guy who may not be in the starting lineup but was a chemistry guy that was a clubhouse guy and i I go back to 85 after they, they didn't dismantle the whole team, but I mean, they got rid of, you know, like Jose Cardinal and Lecoq and a few guys that, um, I equate to the, like, uh, uh, Nick Castellanos or, a or a, um, John Lackey guys that, that, you know, kind of provided to their group that leadership. I don't know. I'm, you're in the clubhouse, not me. What do you think of
1: that? No, that's true. Uh, Marty Patton was another one. Um, that uh, well that, that was actually after the 80 world series against the Phillies. to let him go he was a good friend of mine who has, has passed away in the last uh, five or six years yeah it's uh, it's a fine line i think between getting better all the time and not just trying to do the status quo every year and getting rid of the, the right people at the right time you know a lot can be said about holding on to players too long sometimes because of that chemistry, because they're so well liked. And it, it's, there are a lot of tough decisions to make in baseball, obviously, and not always the right ones are made, of course.
0: Well, and I think it's magnified by the, you know, the guy that's hanging on instead of making $125,000, he's making $10 million. And so mm-hmm. do you keep a guy or do you get rid of him for financial reasons? Cause you don't, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a dilemma and you know as a fan I would say if you don't want to pay 200 million dollars then sell it to a group there'll be I guarantee somebody would buy the Royals for 200 million dollars today or maybe John Sherman did I don't know but I mean
1: no, it, believe it or not uh, D- Dan glass bought it for a hundred million and the Sherman group bought it for one billion a billion so, there <laughs> that Pretty good return on your money for the Glass family, and they got out just the right time before the pandemic. And the Sherman Company, his his people, who I think there's 22 owners, separate owners and groups, um, they kind of came at the wrong time, right at the pandemic. So um, I'm rooting for him. He's a good guy, and hopefully things will turn around for the Royals, and, and we'll get this thing moving in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I I hope so too on that front. I heard a rumor that your son, Dusty, was uh, interviewed for the uh, uh, managerial job with the Kansas City Royals. Now, I heard that from a totally independent source. I don't know if that's been in the papers or if uh, if it's something that people already know. But uh, what do you think about it? Yeah, it's,
1: it's been out there in a lot of different articles. He, uh, he did an interview... Between the uh, the series uh, when they were heading out to San Diego to play the National Championship Series, he flew to Miami and interviewed in Miami and didn't get that job. And then uh, did a Zoom call because of all the travel when he got back to Philadelphia from San Diego after they uh, before they started the final three games against San Diego. So yeah, um, there's a chance. You know, we don't know for sure, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, he's had. A number of interviews before with the Phillies before Kapler got the job five, six years ago. Yeah. Had one with Texas a few years ago. So, you know, he's always wanted to do that. So hopefully it'll happen one day.
0: Well, he's been on that side of the ledger for what, since 2008. Was that about the first time he started uh, coaching in the uh, minor leagues? Or well, probably?
1: let's see. He, uh, He's been doing it now. He ended up his last three years with the Phillies in AAA playing and then started managing. managed 10 years in the minor leagues, the last five in the big leagues. So he's been actually with the Phillies 18 years now. Um, so uh, well, clearly, uh, to he his. Paid his dues. Yeah. 28 his years, 18, I think, uh, with the Phillies.
0: And there just aren't that many, as you know, the the managerial ability to select coaches has maybe diminished in the years, but in the old days, you get named the manager, you get the hitting coach, the pitching coach, the first base. You get everybody that you want to bring along back in the, back in the old days, I suppose I would say. Now, sometimes you inherit guys. Sometimes the management above you says, here's going to be the, the pitching coach or the hitting coach or the bench coach. With uh, your son, it's pretty cool. He has survived, and not many guys can say that, three regimes of major yeah. management and stayed as a third base yeah. coach. Now, well, that's pretty
1: cool. Well, he just, and a matter of fact, uh, he just got an extension for two more years to align with Rob Thompson, who just got a two year extension and took over for Girardi in May. Yeah. So he's good for, probably for another couple of years at least. And that'll give him seven years on the pension, and 10 years is the max. So he's he's in pretty good shape right now.
0: Let me ask from playing and from golfing and from just general of the weight training that you do to stay in the spectacular shape that you're in. Uh Do you, have you had any problems with your, uh, rotator cuffs and either shoulder, especially your right arm? Is that all right?
1: I've actually had surgery on both my shoulders, uh, torn rotator cuffs and labrums, uh, two torn biceps, a lot of broken ribs. Um, from getting hit with pitches and collisions, three dislocated shoulders, uh, broken foot, uh, broken bones in my hand from foul tips. A lot of arthritis now because of that. <laughs> well, you name it.
0: Do you have a and good range of
1: baseball in... player? I can't imagine the football guys.
0: <laughs> Do you have good range of motion though? Moving your arm like that?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So you're available for a third base coaching job if Dusty gets the manager. Uh,
1: that would be a no.
0: Come on, Duke. How cool would
1: that be? I'm retired and enjoying every minute of it right number now. Number 12, wasn't it? Was yeah, 12? number 12. Yeah.
0: Why yeah. I remember numbers? I have no idea. So, are you able to count? What's your thought on Giardi going and Thompson coming in as a fan?
1: Well, they start out really poorly. Giardi was a known commodity when he got the job. He had had success with New York, of course, and uh, with Miami um they just weren't playing very well and that's unfortunately what happens to managers they're the the finals the, the guy that gets the blame when they're not starting off well and they got a big payroll and they've added some pretty good numbers to their payroll in the offseason so uh rob Thompson's done a tremendous job though the, the players love him he's a he's a lifer kind of like my son who's always hasn't really managed much uh i've been a farm coordinator a, farm team coordinator for the Yankees. He was uh, a third base coach for the Yankees. He was a bench coach for the Yankees. I think he's been in baseball 30 some years and he was the bench coach when Girardi was there and they go way back. He was his bench coach in New York when Girardi was managing. So it was kind of bittersweet for him to take over for a friend, a guy he worked for for many, many years, but he just did a tremendous job. It seemed like the whole Clubhouse uh, kind of relaxed, I think and when he got the job and uh, they just started playing up to the capabilities. Who knows the, the whole reason why. And Sometimes you'll see a change in, in a manager and you'll see a, a spurt where the team wins a bunch in 10 or 20 games, but it was prolonged over the whole season and now into the playoffs. So it's been very good. So they just gave him a two-year extension. and My son got one as well, which is uh, very nice. What do you? How would you give as a scouting report your
0: son's attributes as a as a uh, high ranking member of the management staff on field? So you play. a player well, I know. discipline guy. A uh, no discipline guy. A
1: disciplined guy? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think the players love him. There's a lot of players on the Phillies now who had in those ten years that he was in the minor leagues managing, really think highly of him, and I think for a few are probably disappointed we didn't get the job originally. Capler got it. Uh, he's a really good third-base coach. They have analytics for everything, as you know, today, and they, they can look at the percentage of players that he should have sent, shouldn't have sent. Um, it's funny, before every game, he gets a readout of all of outfield arms, and what they are going five steps to their right, their left, and the percentage of throwing guys out at second, third, and home, so he's got all that that he's got to remember when he's in the midst of sending somebody. From third base or holding them at third base. No, he's got to know their arms and their strengths and their accuracy, as well as the runner coming into third, his speed and all that, how fast he's coming in third and not checking into third. Uh, So he's really good at what he does. I mean, he's very knowledgeable in analytics and he's ready to manage the big leagues, no doubt about it. It's just about getting a a shot. You have to have a a sponsor who believes in you, and uh, hopefully it'll happen.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully it will too. That'd be. That would be pretty cool. There aren't that many father-son combos that have managed in Major League Baseball, so that right. would be cool. Be fun for you and Nancy. It'd be fun for, you know, Dusty's family and your whole family. It'd be, <clears throat> and if it were the Royals, that that would be a pretty cool deal for, um, yeah, for the absolutely. family. The um, the observation I have again as a fan is if now maybe. Some guys like Schwarber aren't the fastest guys in the world, but if I were a third base coach, and of course I wouldn't last very long because my philosophy would be don't, if the, if the outfielders holding the ball, when the guy's 10 feet from third base running from second to third wave everybody in because the throws that I witness over my, my life of seeing a whole lot of baseball is they ain't very accurate. I mean, now there are a few guys that have a gun. And there are a few guys that are accurate and there are a few guys that are both accurate and have a gun, but man, oh man, the throwing is a, that's hard to do. It's atrocious. And you as a catcher know, you know, what's a good catcher throw out 20% of the guys, 25%. If
1: yeah. 30, 30 is good. Really good for a catcher anymore. Um, yeah. Although nobody steals anymore. So it's hard to, <laughs> hard to have much data. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head, Jamie. There are a lot of guys that don't throw all that well. Now, my th- compared to back in the day, my theory is they don't do it enough. Those teams hardly ever take infield and outfield practice like we used to do, used to do it five times a week at least. Uh, they just don't. Unless they do it early, uh, nobody sees it. I'm sure there's some teams that go out there early and have their outfielders throw and they take an infield. We do in the minor leagues that way as well. It used to be always after batting practice you'd have it. The fans right. could watch it. It's kind of fun. But you don't see it much anymore so i i, I kind of wonder if they a lot of teams don't do it as much as they used to so that's maybe part of it uh, i think the more you throw the stronger your arm gets the more accurate it gets and so that's a possibility as far as the outfielders go today
0: well and the fact that analytics holds baseball hostage right now managers are afraid their philosophies i think seem to be uh, uh, articulated that, They don't want to give up an out. They don't want to sacrifice a bunt. They don't want to have a guy get caught stealing. They don't want to have a guy that could, could uh, score from third, gets thrown out at home. So it's kind of a, a, I don't know, a pansy. That's the nicest word, a pansy approach to baseball. It's probably prudent, but as we were talking before we got on the air uh, baseball's changed and you would know better than anybody, but from my standpoint, the last thing i want to hear from the chicago broadcaster is the every, everything is a percentage of this and that i don't give a crap just color
1: me the game um don't well you know one thing that uh, the analytical people don't have jamie is the ability to to know the player they're looking just at numbers yeah and they don't know how players respond in certain situations what's in their heart what's in their passion for the game and that's not on paper so to be a manager, yeah, you can use the analytical stuff, but you also have to use your gut when you know the player and how he can handle a certain situation.
0: Well, you know, I had a an
1: analytical guy tell me, he said, with all the strikeouts today, you know, it used to be a badge of honor if you didn't strike out. With all the strikeouts today, he said, well, it's just like another out. Pop-up, ground ball, short.' I said, that's BS. I got a lot of broken bat hits over second base where either – got on base and scored a run or drove it a run because I put the ball in play. I had several years where I, I walked more than I struck out. So my on-base percentage is pretty good. You cannot tell me that it's just the same as, as a pop-up or a, a ground ball. First of all, that they have to handle the ball a couple of times sometimes they have to throw the ball a couple of times, to get you out. So, you know, I, I'd like to see baseball get back to more, hitting and running, stealing bases, put the ball in play. And I'm, I'm sure the fans would like it better too. The one good thing they're doing next year, as you know, probably they're, they're taking away the shifts and the infielders will have to stay on the dirt from what I understand, two on the left side of second base and conventionally two on the right. So that'll help a little bit from hitting a ground ball in a second baseman in short right field and having them throw you out and create more offense, I think. So uh, I think they're realizing it maybe a little bit too late uh it's it's been kind of a boring game last year a lot of strikeouts and a lot of three-run homers and not much offense so Uh, i mean i didn't
0: watch the world series last year i just got up at two in the morning and watched sports or uh mlb network go through the highlights because the games took four and a half hours next Uh year in addition to the rule you just articulated um, they're going to have a pitch clock now. How it's going to get enforced, I have no idea. But I, want... I, can,
1: tell you, I can tell you about that. Um, you know, it was most things are done experimentally in the minor leagues first, and I saw it firsthand this year going around seeing our minor league clubs. And I can tell you, it shaved off 28 minutes in every minor league game on average. So I like it. I really like it. It picks up the pace tremendously. I think it's going to be 20 seconds uh, with a guy on base in a stretch position and 15 seconds with nobody on base. And, you know, pitchers are going to have to get used to it, and they will in spring training. I saw some of our guys that got called up from Omaha and were used to using the pitch count there who were much quicker when they got to the big leagues, just got in the habit of getting the ball and throwing it instead of walking around the mound and all that stuff. So I, I think you'll like it. I guarantee I
0: like it. And what I want to go down to, I want to go to spring training, as I try to every year, and I want to go to a San Diego game when Darvish is pitching and I want to watch him instead of throwing a pitch every two minutes, throw a pitch every 15 seconds. It's going to be great. My question to you is in the minor league at, you know, like in the NBA uh, at 24 seconds and in NCAA basketball, 30 seconds, how are they going to notify the crowd or the umpire that he was not starting his windup in that 16th second?
1: There's, there's two things that happen. Uh, one is a ball from the pitcher, and if the hitter steps out during that period, uh, late in that period, he gets a strike call on him. I've seen some guys actually with two strikes get called out for stepping out of the box. So you'll see the umpire, he'll be very animated. He'll point, he'll point to, the, to the mound and point a finger with his left hand signifying a ball for the pitcher. Or right hand strike for the hitter and point to them when they haven't uh, when they haven't gotten past the, the 15 or 20 second limit.
0: So there are all sorts of good questions. Does the umpire is the umpire now instead of focusing on what his strike zone is, is he looking over the pitcher's head at the shot clock to see if it hits 16 seconds? And yeah, what if, yeah. what if well, 17 it's 17 seconds? It's
1: actually, uh he has to be in his windup or in his delivery before that, that time goes to zero. So yeah. once the guy starts, he can put his focus back in the strike zone.
0: Do they make a noise when it hits zero? No. No. See that I my my proposal is they have this loud air horn or like a <laughs> goal in hockey, because the major after a while pitcher's not gonna want to hear that, but so it hits zero. The ump's getting ready to stop play, but the pitcher gets the pitch off and John Wathan hits it into the left field bleachers. Is it like delay a game? Sorry, that doesn't count.
1: Uh, good question. Um, I think it probably doesn't count if he, if he says it before the, 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 if the pitch is delivered, before he starts his windup or his stretch, uh, is delivered from the stretch um, and he sees that, that's it. It's, it. It would it would not count. It would not count.
0: I, I remember way back, and I can't remember who the guys were, but a first base umpire called timeout. The home plate umpire didn't realize it. You've probably witnessed this happen a few times. The pitcher throws the ball, a guy hits it out of the park, and it doesn't count because time was out. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see. The other thing...
1: Well, that's not entirely true, though, Jamie. We tell all our players in the minor leagues, what? Are you kidding me? You can, you can, you can actually, uh, like, a a balk call, a balk call. If he calls a balk and the pitcher delivers it, you have a free swing, right? And if you get a home run, it's a home run. If if you make an out, you come back again, and uh, pitcher the players move up, and you get another another chance. That's right.
0: But if the second baseman wants a new pair of sunglasses and turns the umpire calls timeout, the umpire waves his hand, but the home plate umpire, the pitcher throws the ball. Then That's,
1: what? that's, a, that's completely different. You're right. Exactly. In fact, there was a story. Uh, Paul Splitter, for the ex-left-hander for the Royals, told me a story. Before I got big Beglies one time, there was a, a play, and in, in, uh, when the pitchers were still hitting before the DHD, Busby was the hitter. Oh. Uh, Ex Royals pitcher, and, and that's funny. But Splitter, had been getting on the umpire the whole game in Anaheim, um, and said something. Finally, as the just before the pitch was made to Steve Busby, and he called timeout. <laughs> <laughs> and Busby hit a home run. Oh, no. and never found out for years that his buddy Paul Spudorf, had incited the umpire enough to have him call timeout and run him out of the game eventually. I think he ran split-off out of the game from the first base. Uh, That's um, now, first base or first I know, base, base. I
0: know Busby threw a no-hitter. Did he ever hit another home run?
1: I don't know that. <laughs> I would think I would think not because soon after that the DH came in. It's yeah. 1973, I believe. Um,
0: I like the the pitch clock. I like the two guys on the dirt. And I like the fact that they've articulated so that if they can't have one of those two guys go out in the right field. They've got to be on the dirt or the yeah. of an artificial turf. Yeah, me too. And then I, the, um, the only two throws to first. And when I heard that, I started thinking, well, the guy's gonna, the runner's gonna go halfway to second, stick, you know, do the nan and an And I later learned that the guy can throw over to first base for the third time. And if the picks, the guy, the guy's out. If he doesn't pick him off on his third attempt, the guy gets second base for free. Yeah.
1: Right. right. Yeah. If he's steal if he's stealing, uh, yeah, no problem. You can throw over there a third time. Yeah. I mean. That's
0: that's cool. And then the bigger bases is stupid, but anyway, it is what it is.
1: That's I agree it. with that. I don't, I don't understand that at all. Uh, Next thing they're going to do is, if they want more offense, shorten the bases to 80 feet from 90 feet. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. This game's been so good for so many years, and and all of a sudden they think they're improving the game with all the things they do. Instead, they're screwing it up bad, and now they're reverting back to where it was a little bit more in in some things at least. You know, the the shift, which, uh, you know, the first one, that ever put on a shift was some of the teams when Ted Williams was yeah. playing. And, um, you know, I didn't work with him uh, because he just hit it through the shift or over the shift. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's just, no, that's true. Very, very seldom did it ever happen after that until just the last few years, you know, they started doing it more. And the
0: analytics, again, this is my amateur view the analytics are dependent on the pitcher throwing the ball, where the analytics guys hope you'll throw it. And Rick. the other day uh, in the game that you were at, and you were probably busy eating, you know, some championship cheesesteak or something, but.
1: Or, or drinking a yingling.
0: Or, or that probably is more. more. By the way,
1: way. I'm that yingling is finally coming to Missouri and Kansas. I, First time I had it was when Dusty was managing in Reading, Pennsylvania. It's made right outside of Reading, Pennsylvania. When he was managing there, I had it. I area. heard that's
0: coming there. They just now they need Spotted Cow out of Milwaukee. Um, <laughs> back to my brilliant point. The uh, <laughs> so the, the the shift design is always for Harper, and I can't remember who was pitching, but he threw it outside, and Harper just—I mean, Harper's just on. Oh, there. I remember he that hit. hit. He had he had line drive left field. field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which, again, it's dependent upon how precise these pitches are. And at the end of the year, on three days rest or whatever they're doing, they're not as uh, likely to throw the ball where they want to throw the ball. Okay, the World Series, you're going out on uh, for games three, four and five in Philadelphia. Uh Yeah, I I picked the Phillies in
1: five. I want you to know that. Uh, Ooh, that's very optimistic. Uh, The Houston Astros are dynamite ball club with great pitching and great hitting. I think Um, my
0: prediction depends on tonight and I predict Verlander has been popped pretty good in the playoffs. I think the Phillies win today and go home and sweep
1: at home. Wow. Well, Nola and Wheeler, their first two guys, Wheeler has been number one and they flip flopped him because Wheeler needed an extra day after getting hit with a a batted ball, his last outing. They thought giving them an extra day. Plus, Noah hadn't pitched in a while. Both of them have been dynamite in the playoffs as well. Aaron Noah and, and, and Wheeler, they've been really good. So you're right. If they could win one, maybe two, in <laughs> Houston was saying a lot, I'd go for one, I think, just like they did in San Diego. They beat San Diego one out of two in San Diego and then came home and swept, you know, yeah. in Philadelphia. Um, but I'll tell you, it's going to be tough. And, you know, just they were such a, a, a team that, nobody gave them a chance. Even the last couple of weeks of the season, they kind of dragged into the playoffs, kind of stumbled into the playoffs. You know, having to win the last one of the last three games in Houston to get into the playoffs, they didn't play well at the end the record was not good the last couple of weeks. So nobody gave them a chance in heck to be able to get into the playoffs. Um, Well, they they I always tell people, I always ask me who's going to win the World Series. I said, Tell me who's going to be in the playoffs and tell me which team is going to be hot for two or three weeks. And I'll tell you, who's going to win. Yeah. Anybody that gets in playoffs has a chance to win.
0: Well, and the wild cards have done well and the road teams have done well over the last couple of years. If you look back one there was one world series where the road team won every game. And I think Houston was in that. So, you know, I think who knows, but they, you're right. They tied, I think with Milwaukee with the same record, but, Won the playoff spot because they abandoned the uh, playoff game and went with head to head competition. Um, and, and both Milwaukee and Philadelphia had similar pitching staffs. And then the Phillies have a much better, much better hitting team than the Brewers. And so did my little league team, but so much for the Brewers. <laughs> so if I were to ask you, who has the bigger payroll, the Astros or the uh, Phillies? And you were just a regular old Joe on the
1: street. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the Phillies. I'm pretty sure it's the Phillies. I th- yeah, I knew you'd answer it
0: correctly because <laughs> you're, you're a guy in the know. The broad <laughs> spectrum of spectating the baseball.
1: Well, it's just such a, a bigger market in, uh, than than Houston, I'm sure. And uh, I think it's somewhere around 200 million. I don't know. They're only I'm not, not sure what Houston's is. I do know. I just saw online this morning though that. The average ticket is going for on the outside markets, not sold by the Phillies or the Houston Astros, whatever they call that, stump hub and all that stuff. Twelve hundred dollars on average in Houston and thirty-two hundred in Philadelphia. Man, not surprising. <laughs>
0: not, don't scalp your ticket. Yeah, <laughs> pretty hard to do nowadays. It's electronic. Yeah. Not well, that you can do. Kind tells
1: you about all the rabid fans in Philadelphia. It's been eleven or twelve years since they've been in the playoffs, so they're. I mean, it was just electric uh, for the playoffs against the Padres when I was there those three days. So it looked like on TV that the upper
0: deck and left field was empty for a big section. Um, and I'm thinking that's where the press tables were, and that's why it looked different, but I don't know. You know? Uh,
1: could have been. I, I didn't notice that. I'll, I'll look for that in the World Series. I know everywhere that else. That won't we're... happen in the World Series. Yeah. we have, they, have, they have standing room only for the World Series at $1,000. a $1,000, standing room only. So, okay.
0: yeah. Are you going to get any souvenirs? I mean, are you a fan, or are you going to?
1: Well, you know what? I've been wearing blue for 47 years out of my 51. And when I, I had to look for a red jacket to wear. And when I got to Philadelphia, I went across the street from the hotel to a department store and got, bought a Phillies hat. <laughs> I, was I didn't start. want to buy it my son. He had a few other things on his mind to, yeah. to get me a Phillies hat from the clubhouse. So I just went and bought one. So, yeah, it's a little different wearing red. That was a good dad. That was a good dad. Well, the Angels, you had a little red back in the Angels. A little bit with the Angels, yeah. Had some red there. You're right. And uh, I was Boston year You know, but, you can't uh, have yeah.
0: a, you couldn't have a soft spot in your heart for losing to the Phillies in nineteen eighty. I mean, does that carry over? Are you secretly rooting for the American
1: League? <laughs> no, no blood. I told somebody that day, blood's thicker than water. You know, you want your son to make as much money as possible, and obviously, a World Series share as a winner is more than as a loser. So uh, he'll do well either way, though he'll make he'll make some good good cash this year, which is a there good thing. Know.
0: Back in the '90s, they were pretty liberal with letting guys like me and into the locker room to see Nellie under the guise of a family. Although, if you looked at Nelly and you looked at me, we'd wonder how we were <laughs> closely related. But you yeah. know, uh, do you get the the privileges of uh, parenthood and getting in the clubhouse? Which I, I no, do. no,
1: I I don't even ask because I know how difficult it is anymore. They're so strict. Uh, you know, it all started with. Uh, you know, some of the illegal people that were coming in um, with oh. drugs with drugs, and, you know, the uh, steroids uh, coming in the clubhouse and then gambling and all that stuff. You know, people putting bets on the side, not letting anybody in the clubhouse find out who's hurt, you know, all that stuff. It's just a, a different world than when, when I played. And, and unfortunately, it's yeah, I, c- I could probably get in if I wanted to, but it's they've got enough on their mind, you know, to. I'm like, I've been there and done that. I don't need right.
0: to be in there. No, no, no. I, I was just curious. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you Kelly know, would give me the opportunity from 95 to 97. The Indians were <clears> the, <throat> the world. The I, They were the Indians. So I can still say the Indians, 95, 97, the old Indians, now the guardians. And he'd say, you know, come out in the clubhouse. The only clubhouse I really ever l- like to go in, you know, I don't get off on going into. the now the coaches, when Dave was a coach with the White Sox in 1983, the coaches' locker room was separate from the players' locker room at Old Comiskey Park. I mean, it was adjacent to it, but they had their own little deal. So Larusa was off in his little office, and then the coaches had their lockers, and the coaches were, um, you know, guys like well, everybody that was. Uh, they had Jimmy Leland, Dave Duncan. Charlie Lau, Bobby Winkles. I mean, so I'd go in there and sit down and shoot the breeze for an hour with these guys. Like I knew something, it was, uh, some of the best memories, that old dingy clubhouse at Comiskey, talking to the, you know, Charlie Lau, like I was a regular guy.
1: Yeah. Now that's kind of a regular thing. All the new uh, ballparks now have separate rooms for the coaches, both on the visiting side and, uh, and the other side, the home side. Um, it's funny cause the old County stadium in Milwaukee, the manager didn't even have an office there. He lockered with the players and there was a, a rotary phone right next to his locker in case somebody wanted to call a manager, like the general manager, make a trade or send somebody down. <laughs> and you were sitting there with all the, all the other players and the coaches right there with, with all the players, no privacy at all.
0: Just things have changed. I'm sure you were in the, <clears throat> maybe you weren't in the Wrigley field clubhouse back in the old days when, I mean, the visitor's clubhouse main the main thing that, that i remember being in the visitors clubhouse and seeing was there they had up the the booze occupied a bigger space than probably all the lockers for the 25 guys on the <laughs> team they had more booze in there and then a urinal in the dugout I, was that common i don't remember that and
1: in- yeah detroit had had a trough right in the runway coming down from the from the clubhouse to the dugout, uh, Boston had one, all the old ballparks had, had one down there. Now, now they have, uh, the new ballparks, they have regular bathrooms, you know, down there by the, by the, uh, dugout. So it's a little bit easier. I'm sure the, uh, I'm sure everybody
0: listening to this show and the the leadership, the listenership's growing. They're pretty interested about the urinal discussion. All right. Yeah. Before, I let, before <laughs> I let you go, who's going to win the world series and why?
1: Oh, man. Uh, as I told you, who's going to be hot this next week or 10 days? However yeah. long series takes. Um, as I asked or everybody else, who's going to be hot? Um, on paper, which paper doesn't win games, Houston is a better club. With the passion and heart I've seen from the Phillies through the playoffs, it could be one of those dream years where they could win. So I'm going to pick the Phillies in six games.
0: All right. All right. Well, we got the same team. You I think they're going to get to the uh, champagne a little quicker than you do, but I uh, I think you're right. I think the uh, most everybody unless you feel sorry for Dusty not winning a Dusty Baker, sorry. Yeah. You see yeah. there needs here's another deal for your kid. There needs to be a Dusty managing in the Major Leagues every year. The streak can't be broken. I think Dusty Baker's on his la I-, I think his contract runs out after the Phillies uh, win the World Series. So now they may re-up him. I'm not privy to anything, but I, I think if he's gone, we need Dusty Wather to keep the. I agree. Uh, going. So, you agree. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll talk in the fall, if not in person. It's always fun to catch up on this uh, Zoom call, and right, I yeah. appreciate you being on the show.
1: Always enjoy it. Thanks for having me
0: go out and hit a golf ball. I'm going out. My game is bad, but I'm going to play and then uh, head to Las Vegas for a few more rounds the next week.
1: Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. I'm playing today. It's supposed to be uh 65 here in Kansas city. So that's, that's a good thing. No wind too.
0: Hey, that's, I know um, what I was going to ask you. Have you ever hit a house at Lakewood? Oh them? yeah. Oh
1: yeah. No <laughs> They're <kidding>. everywhere. <laughs> it's, a tight, it's a People say, uh, See, the distance from the tips is only 63.50. And they say, oh, yeah, I, I got this course. This is easy. This is long. And then they start seeing all the houses on both sides of the fairway and out of bounds with streets. And, you know, there aren't many holes, but there aren't any. Uh, some kind of trouble.
0: Well, having hit a few houses of my, in my own golfing uh, days, for some reason I said, I got to ask Duke. I don't think I've ever asked him if he's cracked a house. How about a window? I got two.
1: No windows yet. All right. No go for it. Been lucky. All I'll right, go Pat. for it.
0: Safe <laughs> travels, enjoy Philadelphia, cheesesteak at Pat's or Gino's, one or the other, and let me know how it is. Alrighty. All righty. Thanks, buddy. jim Be good.